the Four Horsemen. What you have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live, and exciting color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These Four Horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's Dennis Thurman, Adam Black, Benjamin Kerfman, and Derek McCarson, the Four Horsemen. We are so glad that you have tuned in to this podcast, and I am here with my other three horsemen, uh, Benjamin Kerfman, Adam Black, Derek McCarson, and yours truly, Dennis Thurman. My wife and I had an opportunity to view the movie Unplanned last week, and uh, I will tell you that unless you have no heart whatsoever, if you watch the first five minutes of that movie, uh, it's going to make an impact on your life. If you are a promoter, advocate of abortion, so-called pro-choice, if you would have an open mind at all and would watch that, it would have to change you. Because really, that's the premise of the movie. I don't want to, you know, spoil the, the whole plot, but I think it's pretty apparent. Plus, Abby Johnson, whose life story that this was based upon, um, has been on Fox News and, and other other things. And so she was uh, someone who ran a Planned Parenthood clinic, and uh, she uh, was very good at what she did. She thought that she was being uh, you know, altruistic and helping women. I think she really had convinced herself of that. She was going to church, an evangelical church, all through at that time. Had a child herself, uh, which the head of uh, Planned Parenthood, uh, who was like a Cruella DeVille character in this movie, uh, did not approve of her having a baby, but of course she did and uh, seemed to have an idyllic uh, home life and had her act together in many ways. But then there came that eventful moment when uh, they have a shortage of personnel in the operating room. Uh, And so she is summoned in there, and she's to hold the ultrasound so the doctor can do his nefarious deed. And for the first time, she sees. She sees a baby. We see a baby as we watch it on the screen trying to escape the assault is happening upon that little one. And it's heartbreaking. I'm telling you, you're going to hear people crying in the theater. You're going to be touched if you're touchable. And so I think it is very, very important uh, as we think about what's going on in our culture. I think we're really at a a turning point. That's why I wanted to uh, talk about this topic. Uh, We've done some things about this before, but I believe that there's a window of opportunity for us to see some change happen. And even the younger generation seems to be much more open than they had been before as a result of several things that have been happening. So I commend the movie to you. I hope that you will see it. I hope you'll invite other people. I hope you'll share it. If it's going to be promoted and advertised, you know, you're going to have to do it because other than Fox News and I think uh, CBN and nobody else is running the trailer, uh, you know, uh, Various cable companies have just refused to do that. Uh, the critics are panning it, of course, uh, but those who see it uh, have said that it's uh, an impactful movie, so I commend that to you. So, 
Guys, uh, let me get, kind of throw out to you uh, a couple of thoughts. Uh, number one, uh, let's talk about what happened in New York State the end of January, a bill that was passed legalizing abortion for any reason up to the birth of the child. A couple of things happened early on this year that I think really brought this to the forefront again, what happened in New York, and then later on the governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam, and what he said. So let's talk about those two things. Uh, we've touched on them in, in a previous episode, but just in case you're tuning in for the first time or uh, you have forgotten, uh, Adam, how about rehearsing for us a little bit about what happened there in the Empire State? Well, in both in both New York and Virginia, it's kind of the similar um, discussion, if you will, um, basically stating that if a child survived an abortion the the baby's out has been born uh, that the doctors do not have to resuscitate it or help help it live if an abortion has been decided and that's that's the two that's basically the parameters of the law um which makes zero sense whatsoever and i actually believe it uh, could be argued that it goes against the medical code whatever that the official terminology is um but that's both of the stance. The governor of Virginia kind of made a statement. I don't remember exactly what he said uh, per se, but he made a statement to the sense of, you know, it's okay if the baby dies, it's okay because that was the wish, wish of the mother. And that was the same thing with New York. And, you know, New York celebrated it. You know, the World Trade Center uh, lit the top of the Trade Center uh, to to commemorate such a wonderful day, which uh, the irony of that, the the amount of unborn children that were born, lost in the Trade Centers, and there's actually a memorial in New York City. So for the World Trade Center today to celebrate such things is just horrendous. But yeah, that's North Carolina. North Carolina actually, I found out this weekend um, that the there was a law that they ruled that the law in North Carolina is unconstitutional. And Christy Brown from Mountain Air Pregnancy Sports said she didn't know what that exactly is going to mean. Right. Um, that it could open the door for something like in in New York or Virginia. Sure. Uh, but, yeah. Although the legislature, I think, right now is set up in, in such a fashion that, uh, you know, uh, unless the courts override, you're not going to get that kind of, of law passed, I, I don't believe. But you never know the composition of, of the legislative body, what can happen. You never know what some wild-eyed judge is going to do either. That's why we're in this mess anyway, not that there's anything constitutional about Roe v. Wade, (laughs) but that they just decided they would read in and make up a right that never had existed before, and the obvious carnage that has come out of that is uh, is mind-boggling. But to me, the the thing about it, the the culture of death, uh, you know, one time— uh, it was promoted as we've done this to make abortion safe, rare, and legal. Okay, that it was for the the benefit of the mother, so she doesn't go to some back alley butcher and all that kind of thing. We don't want it to to be promoted. It's just you know something that tragically happens, uh, you know, and it has to be dealt with uh, at times. But in New York State, when that law was passed and uh, Governor Cuomo signed it. 
There was a standing ovation. There was <laughs> cheering. There was applauding. Yeah. It doesn't sound like safe, rare, and legal uh, to me. Uh, and and that tells you something about the heart of of those folks yeah. and and where they're going. And and then about the governor. You know, he he was saying basically, you uh, if the baby's born, if it survives the uh, an abortive abortion attempt. Uh, that you just keep the child comfortable, you know, and, and pretty much wait for its uh, its demise. And uh, so infanticide was openly called for. Now, here's the thing about that, uh, Derek. You may remember that that governor got in trouble because uh, in his, uh, I guess it was at the law school or somewhere, his college, that there were certain photographs that emerged uh, concerning the governor, do you, do you recall that? <laughs> I yeah. think you're going to have to jog my memory. Yeah, the, well, the governor well, of Virginia. Yeah, the governor of Virginia was in yeah. blackface. Yes. Okay? Oh, yes, yes, yes. With a Klansman okay. mm-hmm. standing uh, back there. Back in his college days, he was yeah. at a frat party or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that picture was in there, and and there was such an uproar about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, there, and there should be. I mean, that's that's something. But what he said about infanticide, other than conservative commentators and church folks, well, there was no great hue and cry uh, about that because that kind of shows where we uh, where we are. One issue that kind of goes back even further into last year and the past two years is, uh, you know, all of the undercover camera work that was done by uh, people who kind of infiltrated Planned Parenthood's upper echelons. And we found out if, um, not long ago that, they were actually harvesting baby body parts and selling them for profit. Absolutely. One thing that kind of gets swept under the rug in this whole discussion is that um, this is a huge multi-million dollar business, and they're making a lot of people rich off of this um, industry of death, if uh, we can choose that term. I think it's appropriate, but um, you don't hear that talked a lot about in – the political rhetoric and, you know, when people run on a platform or whatever, um, it's always veiled, but really I think like a lot of other issues in our society, what it comes down to is the almighty dollar. Yeah. Um, and it's such a huge moneymaker, uh, especially for certain political parties and, and things like that, that, um, Abortion itself, right? Just the procedure. Yeah, I did a report on it when I was at AB Tech, and uh, the the I forgot exactly the amount of money the procedure costs and the amount of time it takes. I mean, it's like <laughs> the per hour deal is through the roof, and so yeah. that's why doctors three or four hundred dollars for a. But yeah, I mean, they're not in there for very long. Yeah. yeah, and so it's it's. It's mind blowing. Like you said, that's the a big reason why. And I'd even read an interview with one of the doctors that he said that was the biggest reason why he did it mm-hmm. because of the amount of money, yeah. right? So, and and in Abby Johnson's uh, story and and planned, uh, it becomes very obvious. And when she starts becoming very uncomfortable as well, is when uh, the, it's it's all like a corporate uh, climate in which they're after profit in which they're trying to bring in money and find ways to actually increase the number of women, you know, uh, that they can run through those clinics because it's such a, a money-making bonanza. Mm-hmm. Then like Derek said, you throw in 
harvesting baby parts and selling them with all the genetic engineering that's going on and, and that sort of thing, uh, attempts to maybe one day do cloning and all of that, then you can understand the, uh, the lucrative industry and that uh, end of it. Uh, Benjamin Kerfman, I assume that you are pro-life. Would that be accurate, sir? Yes. Why? Defend that for me uh, as a Christian. Um, I would say the fundamental principle um, of being pro-life is um, understanding that that people are made in God's image. I think you have to start from there. Um, If you start from a naturalistic worldview that says that uh, humans are just uh, advanced animals or something like that, then something like pro-life doesn't really matter. Um, It's just survival of the fittest and mom's fitter than the baby. So she wins, you know, if you decide who stays alive or whatever. Um, or, you know, you abort for say down syndrome, which some countries are eradicating, um, through abortion, uh, gender selection, all those kind of things. That's just, uh, that's just evolved, uh, animals aiding natural selection. And so, uh, from a naturalistic worldview, there is no, uh, moral, uh, association with abortion, which is essentially, I mean, we've been teaching naturalism and public education for generations now so i mean that that is the status quo in america is a naturalistic worldview where human beings don't have any inherent worth um, which is ironic because uh, something like abortion is possible um, because we're redefining personhood but yet on the other extreme we have like the lgbt movement which is all about identity and i'm valuable as a person and you and intersectionality and you need to accept me and all of the struggles that I have. And it's like, what's more intersectional, intersectional than a uh, black baby, <laughs> which is the primary ones that are being aborted. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, if we, if somebody made a statement of, you know, we're just going to go into cities and exterminate black people um, because of whatever reasons we have, I mean, that would just be the most radically offensive thing possible Martin and Sager. and yet we pay yeah. for that to happen every single paycheck all of us pay that yeah. whether we want to or not because of our tax money yeah. and the whole fit about you know planned parenthood you know well the tax dollars doesn't really go to medical surgery yes it goes to abortions it just does look at the numbers yeah. you know they're not even trying to hide <laughs> it well you know i mean it, re, look up Margaret Sanger for five seconds <laughs> and you'll find out this whole thing from the beginning was about exterminating black people. Eugenics. Yeah. And, and, and why? And why does eugenics work? Because it's a naturalistic worldview. It's social Darwinism, you know, of uh, this idea that white people are more evolved. So they have more of a right to live and smart people, smart white people are even better than regular white people. And so those are the ones that we want to live. And if you're not defective, like there's maybe uh, retardation, down syndrome, Hitler, yada, used yada, that right. exact thing. Exactly. And they'll say, well, that's an extreme. No, it's not. It's the, it's literally the exact same worldview. If you go to the, the same Holocaust worldview. museum in Washington, there's a whole, I, I, I didn't know this until I went there. I love world war two. There's a, there's a wall there, there's a, a poster that the doctors used of skull structure. They would look at skull structure. And if your skull structure didn't meet their criteria, you were gone. Yeah. Like, I mean, it wasn't just Jews. It was, it was, yeah. There there was a lot of Jews, but people don't realize, I mean, the Holocaust was handicapped people. It was homosexuals. It was anybody that they felt like didn't meet their, what the qualifications that they defined. 
And so the the irony of the fact that in America we're constantly screaming, you can't discriminate against me, don't judge me, don't make assumptions about me, and yet we do that with babies that have no ability to speak for themselves at all is just a complete irony. I mean, it's so ironic. You know, you guys point out the connection between Nazi Germany and America's Holocaust. You know, you look at the numbers, Hitler, between the years of, you know, 1936 through 1945, exterminated 6 million Jews. Okay, since 1974, I believe, Roe v. Wade, until today, we've done nearing now 60 million. Mm-hmm. So we've done 10 times more than Hitler did. Mm-hmm. And you talk to the average American, we would never put ourselves on the same moral plane as Nazi Germany. And yet we're paying for it. We've done it um, <laughs> behind the auspices of medical care, clinically clean in a, in a white lab coat and mm-hmm. people have profited off of it. And it's, uh, and our it's hands be- have got just as much blood, way more blood. Yeah. And, and, and it's because somebody gets to decide uh, whether your child and my child is is valuable enough to keep alive mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And they talk about it being pro-choice. The fact is, if you look at a lot of these situations, a lot of these women that come in here looking for help that come into these places, they don't come in with their mindset on, I'm having an abortion. I want to kill a baby. That's not the majority of the time what they're thinking. But there's again, there's this industry, this extremely profitable industry that is doing the same thing a car salesman or anybody else does. They are selling a product, and their product is peace and security and uh you, you know you don't want to move forward in your, your life. life yeah you know you you got an education to finish what about your career you know um you're you're not married yet you know right yeah okay and 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 why should she follow all these things cuz you have dignity cuz cuz you're you're a person right and so what we're saying is is you know uh, killing people is fine as long as I'm benefiting enough from it and that's basically the the culture that we're living in now. Now, to be fair, though, and I think this is worth discussing, is your average person on the street that supports abortion, I don't think that person is this necessarily this evil Darwinian mastermind that's got these really strong worldview convictions about uh, natural selection and all this kind of stuff. I don't think the average person I talk to that's pro-choice has really thought through the issue. I think they're just accepting this cultural narrative of you don't agree with what everybody else agrees with because you're a religious extremist. So you, you, you have to be weird. Right. You and, and in fact, Ben, the polling is actually, uh, you know, folks, the typical person on the street you're talking about, third trimester, trimester abortions, they're against that. I mean, it's overwhelming numbers. And of course, I don't believe that any abortion is. So is what's the difference between the twenty ninth or the twenty ninth and thirtieth week? Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that that's the magic right. question, though, right? Is when does personhood begin? No, nobody wants to kill another person, right? Right, and unless they, you're a sociopath. They think that they know enough to know that, yeah, you know, this is pretty much acting, looking yeah. like a baby. Kill it well, and killing another person is murder. Anybody, anybody, believer, non-believer, anybody will agree with that. The question is, who is a person? And so the only reason abortion can exist, even in an ungodly culture, is because people are persuaded and convinced that it's not a person, which is the whole thing with Abby Johnson of we're just helping people. We're helping women. And when the evidence is looking you right in the face of personhood, it's confronting you and forcing you 
to to ask to have to finally think through the issue of is this a person or not. But but the whole thing about pro choice is a name only. And again, the movie brings this out that the counselors are in place so-called to help you make a decision. They are there to steer you into an abortion, to talk about all the negatives that happen. If you have this baby, you know, you of course you could do that, but boy, you know, you're going to have to give up your college. Or, it's fear. You know, yeah. That's how they sell it. Sowing, uh, sowing all those seeds, uh, self-centeredness really, which mm-hmm. is the basic condition of the human heart. So worldview does make a difference, and our theological per- perspective makes a big difference. And how we view things, but along with that theological theological component, I think where we get bogged down sometimes is is when we move into the political arena, and there's certainly a, a political discussion that needs to happen. Uh, so, guys, let me throw out the the two major parties that we have, uh, and and I would say if you want to just add libertarians in there, which are not very extremely significant, they probably would be what. Uh, Take offense am, to ambivalent, that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you, you know, uh, but but the two major parties, okay, not the losers that we call libertarians. So, so uh, what what is the position of the Republican Party in in that? I'm not talking about individual Republicans, but the the party itself. All talk, no action. Well, so that all talk for historically what? the position of the. Republican Party for the past several elections. Since been, Reagan, probably. Yeah, has been pro-life. Um, but then again, <laughs> n- nothing ever gets done to advance that cause. Um, of course, President Trump recently has threatened to defund Planned Parenthood. Um, and and switch some of those monies to, uh, I think, crisis pregnancy centers mm-hmm. as well. Although that's being fought in the court, that's a good way to kick a horse. Well, and the problem with that, the, the problem with that is, is, after talking to Christy, is that they won't accept it. They won't because they had had to. There'd be strings the, attached. Yeah, there'd yeah. be guidelines. Yeah. But the problem is, is when you when you talk to people from a government, from a governmental standpoint, you know, people act like Planned Parenthood is the only place, the only place on the planet that poor. People can go to get health care. Well, is so false. It's, it's because, real health care, though, because yeah. the, the crisis pregnancy centers with the licensed medical doctors and son, sonogram techs and everything else, that's not real medicine. That's just religious people trying to deceive you. But look that's, at that's the, the amount of Planned Parenthoods in the country. Sure. Uh, they cannot sustain. Which, this. by the way, if you're rich and white, there's not one in your neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, so, but but back to the point you made, and I think it's absolutely accurate. Far too many times, the Republicans in their platform right. are going to advocate pro-life, but when it comes to actually doing anything, mm-hmm. then then they don't. And and what do you think um, the reason for that is? And and why don't we hold them accountable for that? Well, I think you could probably trace it back to money. That's probably always an issue in anything political is uh, who's getting the money, where's it going, and um, who's benefiting from those things. Well, in position too. Position, power. You know, yeah. if, if you stand, if you can manage to not stand your ground on anything and yet 
say things that make everybody happy, you get to stay in office. Yeah. I mean, if you gonna, actually stand on something, you're going to make some people mad and some people happy. It's right. principle. It's party over principles. Yeah. And that's yeah. politics today, regardless of the party. Uh, it's it's not about principles. It's not. You have some that will stand on principles and that they will, you know, but when you really look at the two parties today, even though there's craziness when it comes to actual action, there's not a whole lot of difference. It's spending X amount of dollars just in different places. So, so why will evangelicals then uh, pro-life people support Republicans over Democrats? What's the democratic party's perspective on this? Well, I think president Obama gave the official position before he left office when they had their Planned Parenthood convention, I believe it was in maybe 15 or the uh, beginning of 16, and he stood up and he basically said, God bless Planned Parenthood. Mm. That's their position. I don't know if you guys remember that or not, but I certainly do. Little G, obviously. I, I, blame, the, I blame the church for errors in both parties because uh, the average person who says they're a Christian doesn't have a biblical worldview. So you've got people in the Democratic Party that think God can bless Planned Parenthood because they don't have a biblical understanding of personhood and they don't have a biblical understanding of of morals and ethics. And then you've got people in the Republican Party that will say, you know, I'm pro-life, I'm whatever. But I ha- but or now I'm talking about the average church member. They'll say I'm oh. I'm voting Republican because I'm pro-life and I'm pro-marriage and I'm pro all these things. Well, why? I, I don't know. I don't have a biblical reason for it. I, you know, I grew up and and watched Fox News, and I, my my whole uh, my whole family has voted straight ticket for thirty or forty years. And, and but of course, you know, they accuse the Democrats of doing that. But but the fact is, on both sides, it's rare to find a Christian that says I have a specific position on any issue that is doctrinally based. And here's the reason in the Bible why I believe this thing. Right. And that's the problem is is if you're pro life but you don't know why you're pro life, then you're not really pro life. Right. It's a you're, you're pro party, you're pro position, you're pro news channel, whatever. And I've I've had multiple people talk to me, you know, Democrats, liberals, whatever. You know, you're just a one issue voter. Well, that's my big starting point. <laughs> like if you don't, if you can't define, you know, what a human is, then you certainly can't define what human rights are. You know, that's right. a starting point. Like to me, that is a, you know, if somebody, somebody asked me, would I ever vote for somebody that was pro-choice? I would not. I would not. Just, I think that is my starting point, you know, because again, if you can't define, you can't defend human life, then you're not going to defend rights because you don't even have a clue. Hey, but here's the question. Are there any pro-life candidates? Sure. I think so. I think there's plenty out there. Well, and, and what you have, and, and again, I know this is is probably voting against instead of voting for, uh, but obviously the Democratic Party is an advocate of abortion. Right. They, oh, they are yeah. uh, Planned Parenthood uh, promoters to the extreme. Mm-hmm. They, there's not a candidate that's announced for president. That is not uh, in their in their pocket. In there their are pro life Democrats. There are a few. There yeah. are a few, but but not many. They're not going to be elected to anything. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to last long either. No, no, because that's where the parties are, are are going in that. So, but but I think the da- the real danger though is when we start talking about that is we get caught up in personalities and all the politics of it, 
And those politics have to be informed by our theology. But I think you're right. That's where it's got to start with that kind of, of worldview. Now, there are those voices in evangelical circles now that are trying to move us off the, the pro-life being equated with abortion. And I understand that it is much wider than that. But, but the thought is, you know, you pro-lifers, uh, you're just concerned about the baby in the womb once the child's born. You're not concerned about it anymore. Uh, they equate pro-life with fighting hunger and poverty and illiteracy, child mortality, uh, forced prostitution, the sex slave traffic, racism, homophobia. They, they're throwing that in now as well. I uh, heard... Um, a couple of guys you wouldn't expect, very big names in the apologetics movement, they were asked a question about transgenderism, and they just waffled all over the place. And it was a startling thing to, to watch. But but the fact is that, that folks want to just expand way beyond the abortion issue. Is that is that fa- is that a fair criticism? Uh, is that inaccurate? What, what do you think about it? What's your take? It's a red herring. It's a red herring. It, it, it it's trying to get trying to get you off the topic um, because when you look at statistics and uh, a lot of these folks, especially hard left liberal folks, they'll bring that stuff up. But when it really boils down to it, they don't really support anything that they're saying that you should. That they're 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 taking the mindset that only Christians should take care of these things. Apparently, because they're not giving towards these things, they're not helping in these things. Um, they're not doing anything to help it. I watched a documentary about um, it was a global warming, uh, some kind of seminar or something about global warming and protecting the planet. And there was a man out there who I don't remember where he's from, but he had a box and he was collecting money uh, to, it was a something, some kind of cleanup and people would not give to it. He's mm-hmm. like, but they wouldn't do it. Uh, you don't see, I think there are some on the West coast, but you don't see atheistic uh, homeless shelters. You don't see, you don't see that. Why? Because it's all self-centered. Right. Um, and so uh, I, I truly believe that, the the topic is a red herring to get you off the point, and they're truly not doing anything about it. Uh, I think the church in America could do a ton more, but I think the church in America is doing quite a bit. Now, we've got a long way to go, clearly, um, but I think that we are curbing, you know, adoption agencies. A lot of them are Christian organizations and foster and, care. There's Christian right. foster care available. You're saying, and we should do more. Don't 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 take me the wrong way. We should do more, but that is completely a red herring. So, and to add to that, Adam, you know, we need to remember that the role of the church in this society is to be the the conscience of the state. Uh, in a lot of ways, we the church stands in opposition to. Um, evil just running completely rampant in our society, and we are the restrainer, uh, holding back the dam, as it it's were. The salt and light. Yeah. Um, and so, so many of these uh, political leaders and people who have an axe to grind in these higher ups um, would love for the church to just lay down and die, or for the church to just uh, be silent on all these things, so that. Um, they can completely have their way in what they want to do. The other so. thing too is, is is when you answer an objection like that, when somebody says, "Well, why aren't you doing this or why aren't you doing that?" 
too many times we, we're, we're entertaining foolish arguments. Yeah. The question is, how does your worldview account for caring at all about a hungry child <laughs> or a homeless person or anything else? Why do they matter? Mm-hmm. Because in, in your worldview, they, they are slowing natural selection. They are they are muddying the gene pool. They are not actively contributing to society. Useless. You know, taking yeah, resources. Yeah, exactly. And so it's like, according to your worldview, all of these people should be exterminated, which is like the horrifying thing is some people are getting consistent. Um, but yes. when you look at the euthanasia culture, the infanticide culture, all this kind of stuff of you are not productive to society, we're utilitarian, and if you are not providing a valuable resource to the rest of society, then you need to be exterminated because you are leeching resources off of society. At least the people that do that are being consistent with yes. their worldview. It's, it, scary, it's, it's, it's evil. Yeah. It's evil. But I would, I would almost rather somebody just admit, yes, yes, yes I think we should kill babies. I think we should kill elderly people. I, I think we should kill sick control. people. I've had a guy tell right. me that I believe in population. That control. that's a consistent mm-hmm. argument. I thanked him. But the person, <laughs> but the person who says, I'm I'm pro choice, and you're and you're not really pro life because you don't do enough for homeless people. Th- that's a completely inconsistent argument. You know, you don't do enough for homeless people. You don't do enough disaster relief. You don't. You didn't adopt any kids. Why don't Why don't you adopt them all? Like, since when do you care about adoption? A, a child that has no family that that doesn't pay taxes to the government and 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 is leeching off of the human re, uh, human services industry in America that your tax money is having to pay for? You should be an advocate for that child being exterminated. The only reason why I think that we should have things like adoption and foster care is because I think those child children are actually valuable. And they deserve a good life because they're real human beings. Yeah. And so the, one of the things the church needs to do, like Derek was saying, is, is call these people out on their foolishness and just say, that's a dumb argument. <laughs> and, and just honestly. It's just inconsistent. Yeah. By, by what standard? Right. <laughs> by what standard can you say uh, that anything is right or wrong right. If, we're, if we're all just fizzing? <laughs> well, in in closing, other than us railing about it, getting upset about it, you know that sort of thing, I want each one of you guys to to comment about a practical thing that can be done in in this matter in this uh, this spiritual warfare that we're involved in. And I will tell you that it forty one years ago I preached my first pro life sermon, and at that time. I warned that we would be coming to a place like this of infanticide, of euthanasia, and and so forth. And people looked at you in that little uh, town of Burnsville. Those older folks looked at me at me like you're crazy. Calf staring at the new game. Yeah, never, never happened. What are you talking about? But that's you know, I'm no prophet, but but that's where we've come to today, and it's going to continue down that road if something isn't done. So we got a little bit of opportunity. So guys, tell me something that one thing that you think could be done to make a difference in this arena. I'll add a couple of things. Okay. Um, <laughs> You're going to take somebody else's. That's so, okay. um, first thing that comes to mind is have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Do not be afraid to stand toe to toe with that family member, that coworker, that neighbor, that person that comes um, through the coffee shop. Have those discussions with the people. Get your arguments out there. Um, in love. Speak right. the truth in love. Um, have those conversations. If you're teaching a Sunday school class, hey, make this a topic for three or four weeks to teach on. Um, talk about it in your small group. 
And if a pastor's not preached on that topic and does not do so on a, a somewhat regular basis, to me, I think they need to repent. Yeah, I don't. Th- I think that um, the church has been silent for way too long, and we're afraid in so many ways to voice our opinion because we'll be ostracized or called stupid or whatever. But look, uh, we're way past uh, that now. We we need to stand up and stiffen our spines and 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 say something substantial in the way of truth. Um, of course, we can always pray, and okay. we should pray Absolutely. because this is spiritual warfare. But uh, and we're not to minimize that. And by the way, in in unplanned, that really comes to the forefront of the, of the importance of prayer. And then uh, one thing that's been an encouragement to me is. Um, Looking back at the heroes of the faith, probably one of the closest parallels that we have to this is the battle that William Wilberforce fought for 38 years in the British Parliament to get slave trade abolished in his generation. And on his deathbed, he finally got the word after 38 years of fighting for this in uh, the British Parliament. He finally got the word that they had agreed to stop the, the, the slave trade. And for for him, when he started out, I mean, that was impossible. He was laughed at. He was scorned. Um, But, of course, his Christian conviction kept him on target. He didn't give up. He had other men of God like John Wesley and and others who came alongside of him and championed him and encouraged him. And so we look at something like taking down Roe v. Wade as an impossible thing. And truly, in human strength, it is. But uh, we have the Lord. uh, We have the truth. And um, we can take encouragement from heroes of the faith like William Wilberforce to fight those important battles um, because if we don't fight them, nobody else is, and we'll never see anything done. Mm -hmm. I said too much, but there you go. That's okay. Ben, what else could we do? Um, One thing that comes to my mind that I think gets overlooked a lot is uh, is instructing our children. Um, A lot of people uh, overlook that. You know, they they look to – the government or a politician or something else that's going to fix the problem with abortion. And like I said, the, the reason now why so many in the church are just totally ineffective um, when it comes to being pro-life is because nobody ever taught them the doctrine of personhood and being made in the image of God and the, and the dignity of every person. You know, Christians don't just believe that Christians are valuable. I don't care if it's the most God-hating atheist in the world, the Bible says that person has value, that God has placed value on them by creating them. Even if they want to mock him or deny him, um, there's a certain level of respect and honor that I give to them as a person, as a human being. Um, Same thing with someone in the LGBT community or whatever. I may not agree with, with their lifestyle or the decisions that they're making, but that doesn't mean they're not a human being. It doesn't mean that they're not valuable and that, and it doesn't mean that I shouldn't love them, you know? And I think part of the solution to the problem of abortion in America is teaching small children now what it means to, to truly love someone the way God says to love them so that as they're growing up, They're growing up with a worldview of every single child matters, every single person matters, regardless of their beliefs, their lifestyle, their, uh, you know, ethnicity or language or nationality or socioeconomic status or whatever that that every single human being uh, matters. And I think if we can start teaching that now with three, four and five year olds, 
then in 10, 15, 20 years, those are going to be the voters and the politicians and the pastors and the people working uh, at medical clinics and those kind of things. And I think a lot of times we don't have that long of a vision. We just want to get somebody in there in 2020 that's just going to seal the deal and get it done. And nothing ever works that way. Okay. Adam, what else can we do? Well, since they both took mine, um, now I, I will speak to both of them real quick. Is on Derek's, you can go back and listen to um, the the episode that we talked about abortion in depthly, and, and Derek gave the great example of the the sled argument. Um, because here's the reality: the conversation you have with people, some people say, "Well, I I, I don't know how to how those can I don't know how to have those conversations." The arguments for abortion are paper thin. They're not solid. They're weak. And once you see right through it, it's easy to to have those conversations. And and like Ben said, man, we got to train our, our children in the way they should go. I'd, I'd actually seen something a while back, and I don't remember who put it out. But it was a video of – it was older kids. They were probably 10 or so, and they were describing abortion. <laughs> and the kid, the horror that was on the kids' faces – because, I mean, it's common sense. When you actually describe what happens in abortions, most people think, well, they just take a pill and the baby disappears. But when you talk about, mm-hmm. you know, the burning of the babies and the, you know, dismemberment dismemberment and sucking their brains out to collapse their skull. And when you get into what actually takes place um, and have those conversations with people, even if they say, oh, that's disgusting. Oh, that's what it is. This is the mm-hmm. this is what it is. And, um, and so, yeah, have conversations, be bold with it, um, and, and teach your children. I can't piggyback on that enough. Let me just very quickly add one more thing. Okay. And that is we have to continue as God's people to show grace and love towards yes. the women in trapped in, in this thing of abortion and let them know that, um, their gospel is full of hope. The gospel mm-hmm. is full of grace and mercy. Jesus died for them. Mm-hmm. Jesus loves them. and um, Or even abortion providers. Exactly. Can yeah. they be saved? And, and let them know that God can forgive you. God can restore you. And um, ultimately, uh, for those who choose that, they will be able to see that child on the other side in glory one day. Thank you. And and so we come back where we began with the Abby Johnson story, a woman who herself had had uh, two abortions, who operated a Planned Parenthood clinic, who through prayer and love of pro-life pe- from pro-life people reaching out to her, that there came that great crisis moment when her life was changed. And, and now she's able to expose what's really going on in there. So I would encourage you, if at all possible, to see that movie as a, a Christian, but invite someone who is on the other side of things to go with you. Uh, be kind, be compassionate, offer to buy them a meal, take them to the movie and say, uh, I want to know your opinion about what you see. And, and and I think it can really make a difference. So go see that movie. Thanks for listening. You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the number four horsemen. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast. And be sure to subscribe and review. They look at me funny when I talk like I got a speech impediment. Homie, check my passport. Heaven, I'm a resident. Like a conscious rapper, but do more than basketball. 
president I see brothers coughing so I hit them with the medicine On the other side they say the grass is greener Seen the forecast man they calling for Katrina